How many of you know what a bitmoji is or would admit to knowing what a bitmoji is? Okay, good. Got a few hands there, kid. Uh, I, I employ the use of bitmoji mostly to be a goofball, mostly to uh, be silly with friends and family because I think they're a little ridiculous. They're a little over the top. Uh, so uh, in the last week or two, uh, entering the new year, I had some fun and, and uh, Amy and I, my wife Amy and I exchanged this particular one a few times and I did this with some other friends as well. So this is one of the ones, the bitmoji that got a lot of use the last week or so. Bitmoji is, uh, is uh, something you can send when you're texting. It's a kind of an animated version of yourself, so that's supposed to look like me. If you took the hat off, it looks like me. Uh, so I use the one with the hat on. Uh, and and this, this is one that I sent back and forth quite a bit in the last week or two, admittedly, and there's, there's a fair amount of truth here. Anybody else send that Bitmoji around? Um, there's definitely some of 2018 that I would love to say good riddance, out with the trash, out with the old, in with the new kind of thing. Um, take that aspect of 2018, out with the trash, out with the old, and in with the new, and, and looking forward willingly to 2019. Um, but of course, it, not, not all bad, and not all bad in our family, and not all bad in our church family at all. Just some, some also, we have opportunity individually and collectively here this morning, and, and hopefully you've already done that in the last few days, to look back and reflect on 2018 and God's blessings and the things that are great. Uh, and also, though, it's okay if we feel a little bit this way, feel a little bit honest about this in some ways, too, and that there's, there's some really, in many ways, it was a really rough year with some, some of the toughest challenges we've ever faced. So in ways, uh, that's how we feel about 2018. And then there's a contrasting bitmoji, the next one. There we go. Jumping into 2019. I guess 2019 is kind of squashing 2018 there, but, but more the idea of, you know, jumping into 2019. Uh, here we come, ready to charge the new year, uh, if for no other reason than to put 2018 behind us, but charging the new year excitedly, sliding into it, um, and so, you know, certainly I hope for myself, uh, for my family, for you, uh, that this would be representative of how we would walk into 2019 with God's help, uh, jumping into a new year, trusting him, knowing he is good, knowing that he is at work in our lives, uh, and, and ready to see what does he have in store. What does he have in store for me and you individually? What does he have in store for my family, for your family? Uh, and then we're going to talk about our, our, uh, our uh, jumping into a new year as a church family a little bit this morning as well. Um, and speaking of jumping into a new year, reflecting uh, on um, 2018, looking forward to 2019, I wanted to just point out to you, and this information is in your bulletin as well, we do have an annual meeting, a congregational meeting next Sunday after both worship services, so about noon it'll start. Everyone is welcome, especially want to invite you that are uh, committed to this church family as official members. Really want to especially encourage you to be there, but everyone's welcome. And so that'll be a good opportunity next Sunday as well to ask God, what are you up to in our church family? Because New Year is a good time for us as a church family to, to charge into the future, to ask God, what is he up to? What does he want to do? What is he calling us to? Uh, what, are, what, are, what are we about here? And, and what does being here or being together uh, lead us to? And what are we a part of? So that's what we want to think about a little bit, is why Faith Church exists. What has God called us to? And when we ask, 
this fundamental question of not only our local church family, this local body, but when we ask this question of the broader uh, purpose of the church worldwide, the church, uh, all followers of Jesus everywhere, uh, when we ask this fundamental question, what is the mission of the church? Why does faith church exist? Why do, do Christians that gather in churches everywhere, why does the church exist? What is the fundamental mission? And we must start with the glory of God. The reason we exist, when we talk about our mission, when we talk about when we want to jump into 2019 and follow him, and what does that mean, and where is he going to lead us, we start with the glory of God, because all that God is and does, all of God's works, whether it's in you and in me or through us as a church family, through the church worldwide, all that God is and does exists ultimately to bring glory to himself so that he is glorified, so that he is recognized, so that he is given credit that he is due. So how is God revealed who he is? How has God shown us why he gets the glory? Well, we have, let's, let's do a quick recap of, of, of the glorious good news that is at the heart of why we exist. John 3, 16, God so loved the world. God loved the world in such a way. God wanted to demonstrate his great love for all peoples, and he then, church family, ready? He did what? He Gave, he sent, who? His son. His son, the Lord, the rescuer, Jesus Christ. God so loved the world, he sent. He sent his son. And a couple of verses later, we see that Jesus is light into darkness. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. We have... We have God has sent his son as light into darkness, and yet we choose by default to stay in the darkness of our sin. And then John 8, 12 says, that tells us that Jesus died to bring us out of the dark and into the light, into life with him. Not only life eternal with him, but life now, rich and full and meaningful and abundant. How's that sound, church family? Good news of the gospel of Jesus, that God rescues sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And if that sounds good, then, then, the, then the church exists to speak of God's goal, of his glory. We talked about his glory. This is why the church exists. If we're going to talk about uh, the goal of the church being for his glory, that simply means that God intends to display himself to make himself known, to make his greatness known, to make his character known, to make his mighty works known. This is why, this is what it means that we exist for God's glory, is to make God known. And he wants to display himself in us and through us as a church. And 1 Peter 2.9 is something we've hit on in recent weeks. It is our, as followers of Jesus, it is our exciting privilege and responsibility as sent people to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of the dark and into the light. Is that what we want to be as a church family? Proclaimers 
of excellencies of Jesus, proclaimers of the good news of the gospel. Is that what we want to be, church family? Proclaimers of those excellencies? Excellent. Yes, I do. I believe you do. I believe that's why we gather together. and That's why we've become a church family is to, to follow Jesus on his mission to the world, to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of the dark and into the light. So let me ask us this then. Look at these things on the screen. Are these things that we sometimes say? Hey, uh, friend, let's meet at the church. Or... Uh, you know, telling another friend in the community, my church meets on Sundays. Or church was great this morning. Those are all, those are all okay statements. They all, I know what they mean. And they, and, they, and they could be used in certain situations. But what's the problem with some of those phrases? Go ahead. Limiting the scope of the church. What else? Huh? It sounds like it's a building. Okay, there you go. What, what is church? Do these phrases, when we use them, limit what the church is seen as to, to mostly a building? Let's meet at the church. Yes, this is a church building. I, I, I get it. But what about when we say, my church meets on Sundays? Does that mean church only exists on Sundays? And then Monday through Saturday is something entirely different? Church was great this morning. Church is an hour on Sunday morning, and, it, and it's what we did. Actually, it's what these people up here did. And I'm going to rate on a scale of 1 to 10 how it went. That's church. Those, these statements we, we say, and I know we, 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 what we mean, and it's okay, but they sort of limit it, right? And so it's important here, we're jumping into a series here in this new year, and we titled the series Church More Than a Building because, uh, because church is not an event, friends, right? Church is not 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. It's not a program that is put on for you. Church is not simply a building. Church is not a time slot in our week that we go check, done with church, Church, I would better put it this way, and there's lots of ways to put it this way, but if we were trying to sum it up quickly, here's how we'd put it. Church, we as church family, this local church, or we could say this about the church worldwide, church is family of growing followers of Jesus who are on mission together, who are following Jesus together to bring light into darkness, right? So, what, yeah, what is that mission? What does light into darkness look like? One of my seminary professors wrote this, that, that we often think of, of uh, when we think of the mission of the church, we think of the commission that Jesus gave to the church. We think of Je some of Jesus' last words to his followers before he ascended into heaven. And we think of that, rightfully, I think so, as a good summary of the mission of the church. And, and the mission that Jesus gave is found in all of the gospel stories. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all have, have, have a version of Jesus' commission, his mission to us as his followers. And perhaps the most famous one is in Matthew uh, 28, and we think of that, and we often refer to it as the Great Commission. And it says this, and this is before the part on the screen. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so... Go, Jesus says. Here's a sending word, right? Jesus, with his great commission, sends. 
He says, go, therefore, and make disciples. Help other people follow me. Make disciples. Help others become followers of me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And that word really means all people groups everywhere. Not thinking of political countries with boundaries, with geographical boundaries. Go to all people groups and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And Jesus says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. But another place we find this commission of Jesus to the church is in the Gospel of John. So I want to have you grab your Bible. I hope you have a Bible with us or a Bible app on your favorite device. Uh, Open to John chapter 17, uh, and we're going to start at verse 14 in just a minute. Love you to bring your Bibles with you. We study God's Word here at Faith Church. We want to have you uh, follow along with your finger in God's Word. So open your Bibles to John chapter 17, and we'll start at verse 14 in just a moment. Father, as we come to you this morning, help us come to you with open hearts, hearts to hear and to be changed by you. God, help us jump into a new year with eagerness, with willingness to follow you into all that you're doing. Father, help us to see what you have for us individually and as a church family this morning as we read your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. John 17, starting at verse 14, we find ourselves in the middle of what is often referred to as the high priestly prayer. Jesus, the Son of God on earth, in prayer, talking with the Heavenly Father, with God the Father. So we find ourselves in the middle of this high priestly prayer where Jesus is praying to the Father and he's praying for his followers. His followers then, and really at different parts of this prayer, he even indicates in different ways that he's praying for you and I. This prayer recorded in John 2,000 years ago, Jesus himself praying to God the Father, praying for his followers, then and those who would come to follow him. So praying for us. John 17, verse 14, Jesus says to, to the Father, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Talked about this a couple of weeks ago as well. Sometimes as followers of Jesus, we've perhaps heard the expression, in the world, but not of the world. Yes, maybe. That exact phrase, not in the scriptures, but taken from this passage, and, and, and accurate, in the world, but not of the world, describing followers of Jesus. Well, what's that all about? Well, it's true. This is not our true home as followers of Jesus. We are made for eternity, uh, for our earthly existence is, is, is relative, very relatively temporary. We are passing through. Uh, and, and besides that, we as followers of Jesus, we as God's people, have, have, have an entirely different nature and goals from those around us. So we are in the world, but we are not. There are ways, definitely. We are not of the world. Well, if we're not of the world, then let's just get out of here. That's what we might think. That's what we might want to think. This, this, I mean, you saw my depiction of 2018. Take that out. Get me out of here. This is hard. Good riddance, 2018. Jesus, take me away. But his prayer continues in verse 15. I do not ask, Jesus praying to God the Father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, 
but that you keep them from the evil one. So to protect them. He prays for our protection, but not to remove us from the earthly life he's given to us and called us to. They are not of the world, verse 16, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. This is a fancy word for help them become more like Jesus as they follow Jesus. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. We are sanctified. We are made more like Jesus as we follow Jesus. And one of the ways that God works in our lives is through the word of God that you hold in your hands. The word of God, the Bible. We are sanctified as we are as we soak in the truth. Uh, one little side note, I love how this is written in the original language. It doesn't say the Bible is true, like it agrees with some other standard of truth. The word in here is, the word is truth. It is the definition of truth. And here we come to this next part. Here it is, verse 18. This is where I want to get to this morning. This is where we want to get to as we slide into 2019 as a church family. Verse 18. Jesus praying to the Father, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them, my followers, now and all people that will follow me in the future. I have sent them into the world. And one of my seminary profs wrote this. The church exists in the world for the same ultimate purpose for which Christ came, to reveal the glory of God to, the, to people. That's why Jesus came, was to reveal the glory of God. And so that's why we as a church exist as well, is to reveal the glory of God. And we reveal that glory of God by pointing people to Jesus, to God revealed. So how important is it Here's a question. I, this is, and I know that if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while or if you've been in church for a while, I, I know this is not unfamiliar. I know we, 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 we know this mission. We know what we're called to. But how important is it, how important is it that a church reveals the glory of God? You, you want to see one indicator that just blows my mind? Matthew 24, 14. Jesus said, and this gospel, this good news of what God has done to rescue sinners, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, all people groups, and then the end will come. Church family, do you want Jesus to return and set things right and out with the pain and suffering of 2018? If we want Jesus to return, the church exists to proclaim the glory of God to all people groups, and then the end will come. So it matters, doesn't it? The time we exist in of history matters. Uh, a sco another scholar wrote this. If history still continues, and it, it seems to be, doesn't it? We're still here. If history still continues, then that is singularly because the gospel for the world must first be announced to all the nations, all the people groups. The history of the world has from now on no other significance than to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of the dark and into the light. That's why time goes on. We, we sometimes, I mean, how, how do we engage in the earthly time that God's given us? What does our day-to-day -day look like in the scope of that mission? We are not left in the world to just sort of bide our time 
until Jesus returns. I'm a follower of Jesus. I got in the club. All right, anytime now, Jesus, come on back. We are not left in the world to bide our time until Jesus returns. We are not left here simply to become more like Jesus in our personal spiritual growth. What, wait, what? Yeah, yes. As you follow Jesus, you will become more like Jesus. Are you supposed to spiritually grow? Yes. We'll talk about that next Sunday as part of what the church is, that we should be growing in Jesus. But we're not left here simply to become more and more like Jesus. We are a sent people who have been left here to be witnesses of Jesus, to radiate the glory of God to, in Jesus to the ends of the earth. And that sounds too big for me, so let's just start with this. We are left here to radiate the glory of our great God to our friends, to our family members, to our coworkers, to our fellow students, to the community of Dallas. Let's start there as a local church. And then, he, and then yes, to Oregon, to, the, to our country, and to the ends of the earth. We are to radiate his nature in the world, and when we ask what that nature is, it is the nature of Jesus. What we want to represent about the glory of God, the nature of God, is we want to give people Jesus. We want to represent God's glory by telling them about Jesus. So far, so good? Not unfamiliar, I know, and yet we need the reminder. Is this mission optional? What if we don't feel like it? What if it sounds too scary? What if it sounds too hard? I want to tell you a story of, um, I wish I didn't have this story to tell. While serving in San Diego, before God called us here, uh, while serving a church in San Diego, we encountered a, a cool opportunity for God's kingdom, what, what we thought would have been really an exciting opportunity to, to team up on mission. And it turned into a sad situation. The situation was this. There was a church a couple of miles away from the church I was serving. And, and, and that church uh, had been in existence for 50-plus years. And the neighborhood around the church had changed, as often does. And this local church had remained the same. This local church, um, while, their, while their culture around them, while their neighborhood around them, while times changed, they had not adapted to what was going on. They were aging, but also they were not matching their neighborhood in ethnic diversity because there wasn't outward care for their community. They had become a club. I often say to our, our, when we have a new members lunch, and if you're considering becoming a member of our church, we often say this sort of cheesy phrase, but we say, you're not joining a club. You're joining a cause. Come be part of what God is doing. Don't just come to hang out. And, I, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm sorry to report that it seems like, I don't want to, it seems like from the outside looking in, what had happened at that church across town was that they had become a club, that they were clinging to the old days, that they were thinking that the way it had always been was good enough, that they were thinking that the strategies that worked in the past ought to continue working into the future, and they never changed, and they did not prioritize mission. They enjoyed being together, and they kept doing their things, and they kept meeting, but they, but they had not adapted to the mission field that God had given them. So they approached us, 
and they ask our church to consider adopting them. And I, and I thought this was a great move on their part. You know, too bad they hadn't adapted with their neighborhood. Too bad they weren't really doing a great job of reaching those around them for Jesus. But now they thought, you know what? We, we still do want to make a difference. We want to partner with a church who is healthy and growing and, and, and is reaching the lost people apart from Jesus. So they said, how about you adopt us and we'll partner and we'll combine resources and, and, and people and we'll continue to make a difference in Chula Vista, California. That, that seemed great. And so for two years, the church I served engaged in conversations, leaders to leaders, and considering, and could this happen, and what would be the ramifications, and should we do this, and, and how would we best do this, and how could we care for our people as we combined, and what should we, and we were ready to do it, and they got cold feet. It was too different. It was too scary. They wanted to keep it right here, and their leaders felt the pressure, and they didn't merge. And what could have been a kingdom opportunity, what could have been a combination of resources moving into 2019, I, they sadly gave up. And so I think it's a good opportunity as we start a new year for us to consider as a church family, do we want to be fruitful for years ahead? Do we want to matter in Dallas and in Oregon and in our country and to the ends of the earth? Do we want to be fruitful sending out the good news of Jesus, reaching our coworkers, our fellow students, our neighbors, our families with the good news that God rescues sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Or do we want to be a club? We want to enjoy each other and then eventually be so irrelevant to our community that we close our doors. Because I fear that that's where that church is headed. They'll keep doing their thing and one day there won't be enough of them and the doors of that kingdom mission, that Jesus-proclaiming local church, will have to close their doors. That happens to too many churches. Let's not be one. I say that. I say let's not be one of those. But I want to follow that with, we're not going to be. Because I love you. And because I see God at work in you, and because Faith Church has 50 plus years of glorious history proclaiming the good news of Jesus to Dallas and beyond, let's keep it up. How about that? Let's just keep it up and never have to consider that tangent that I just described. So, so does this sound good? Ministry and resources and time and our energy devoted to our community so that people far from Jesus would find life in Jesus? Does that sound good? If we want to do that, what is that going to cost us? We know we should be doing that. We want to be outward. We don't want to be stuck inward. We don't want to think only of ourselves. I think we know the mission. I think we do want people to find life and transformation in Jesus that we have, that we have found. But what's it going to cost Devoting time and energy and ministry and people to outward ministry, I just am going to be honest with you, it's going to cost, it's going to cost us energy and time and resources devoted to internal things. Do you know what I'm saying? 
things that matter only in this building, things that matter only to you that are already followers of Jesus and already part of our church family, there's going to be a cost as some resources and programs and events and things are less emphasized because they only keep Christians busy. And if they keep Christians busy on every day of the week, I want to know when you're hanging out with people far from Christ. And I'm not, I'm not down on you. I'm traveling this road too. I don't want to be here all day every day because I want Jesus to transform people in our community. So, so what does it look like at a church, as a church family to jump into 2019 following the mission of Jesus? I think it'll cost us some internal focus so that we can shift to external. We must shift our focus from internal to external, from faith church to people in Dallas and beyond. And, uh, and here's a picture I want to share with you of how that might look. And uh, this is an author named J.D. Greer. And in, in a book he wrote, he uses three metaphors to describe what the church uh, could be or should be or how the church looks. And I want to go over these three metaphors real quick just to give us some pictures to think through. But, of course, what do we know about metaphors? Are metaphors perfect? Okay, so don't push this to the extreme. Don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just, just, just listen and, and let's take, take it for what it is, okay? Some Christians see the church as a cruise liner, a cruise ship, he says. And what does he mean by that? Well, he says some Christians see the church as a cruise liner, a, a, a cruise liner, a ship that offers Christian luxuries for the whole family, such as sports, entertainment, childcare services, and business networking. Ooh, I can meet people and spread my business. They show up at church asking only, can this church improve my religious quality of life? Does it have good family ministry facilities? Does the pastor preach funny, time-conscious messages? No, that meet, my, that meet my felt needs. People show up at, if, you, if, if there's a cruise liner mentality, we're asking these kind of questions. Do, do the sermons meet my felt needs? Do I like the music? Was church good this morning? Other Christians believe their church is more like a battleship. The church is made for mission. Okay, now we're a little bit, sounds like we're a little bit back on track, aren't we? The church is made for mission, and its success should be seen in how loudly and dramatically it fights the mission. <clears throat> now, this is certainly better than the cruise liner. However, one interesting thing about the battleship metaphor is this. If we subscribe to the battleship metaphor, it seems like it implies that it's the church organization that fights the battle. It implies that, if the, that it's the church institution or the organization that does most of the fighting. The role of church members who view it as a battleship, the role of church people is then to pay the pastors to find the targets and fire the guns. And we'll gather and watch. They see the programs and services and ministries of the church as the instruments of mission. The way that we're going to reach people is through these programs and through these paid professionals up here, so we'll just watch them. That would seem to be the picture of the battleship. And then J.D. Greer, the author that wrote this, suggests a third metaphor. I would like to suggest a third metaphor for the church, aircraft carrier. 
like battleships, aircraft carriers engage in battle. They, they, they are on mission. They are following God's mission to reach the world with the good news of Jesus. So like a battleship, aircraft carriers are engaging in the battle, but not in the same way. Aircraft carriers equip planes to carry the battle on where? Elsewhere. Out there. Out where it's happening. Out where the people who need Jesus are. Churches that want to prevail against, this is what J.D. wrote, churches that want to prevail against the gates of hell must learn to see themselves as aircraft carriers, not like battleships, and certainly not like cruise liners. Members need to learn to share the good news of Jesus without the help of the pastor. In the, and and share, share the good news and the love of God in the community and start ministries and Bible studies, even churches in places that need them. Churches, local churches must become discipleship factories, helping people grow in following Jesus and helping people grow in following Jesus so much that they go and help other people meet and follow Jesus. Churches must become discipleship factories, sending agencies, sending People who love Jesus and are equipped for mission out to the people that need them. That's the, the, the picture here, this third metaphor of the church. Cruise liner, battleship, or aircraft carrier. Good opportunity for us to evaluate our own heart, how we approach church, and also a chance for us to think as a church family about us as a group and the way that we want to go about the mission that God has given us. And I want to ask us this question. Is it possible to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus? Is it possible to be growing spiritually and yet be completely disengaged with the mission? Can, can we be growing and truly following Jesus but waiting for Jesus to come back? I don't think so. Let's not wait. Let's not wait for a next level of spiritual maturity before we engage in the mission. Let's not say to God, ah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, I don't know enough yet. I need one more Bible study. I need to attend church a few more times. Then I'll go on mission. Let's not do that. Did you, Jesus knew that the best way to disciple people, the best way to build followers of Jesus, was to send them out on mission, was to take them out on mission with him. What did Jesus do? Did Jesus say, hey, everybody, take this class, and then I'll make you follow, uh, fishers of men? Did Jesus go, hey, everybody, attend church longer, then I will make you fishers of men? Did Jesus say, increase your knowledge of Bible facts and by, become a Bible trivia answer man, and then I will make you fishers of men? No, Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to go make disciples. We're going to go share God's love. And what Jesus did in the Gospels with his followers was he took them along on mission. They didn't have to wait till they had grown up in Jesus. They were just out there sharing God's love and proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus taught them the basics of making disciples. Jesus taught his followers the basics of sharing God's love while they were on the mission of sharing God's love. And so for you and I too, the best training for mission, the best training for mission happens 
while we are on mission, while we go and do it, while we put ourselves out there, while we ask God to help us make a difference in people around us, while we ask God to make us conduits of his love and the good news of Jesus to everyone around us. So what do we want to do then? Here, I'll bring, I'll bring it down to a little practical level here. So what do we want to do then? If this is something we want to do, how do we live out our faith? How do, we, how do we become sent people? How do we live as sent people? And how do we make sure that our growing in Jesus is shifting from, from in here with other Christians and from in here with my own personal spiritual growth to, to outwardly sharing God's love with those around us? What do we do? And here's a, a, a recommended a little simple first step. One first step, uh, a step in the right direction might be this. And this is something you can do individually or you can do as you gra- gather with groups of Christians. In, in, in times of Bible study, if you're studying God's word, and I hope you do every day, open God's word and hear from him. In, in, in times of study of the Bible, whether you're by yourself or in a group, perhaps we could ask this question and it would help us a bit. What does this passage say that we should do together So there's often an aspect that affects us as followers of Jesus, as a community, as a family. How does this, how do we put this into action together? And perhaps as we study our Bibles, we should ask this question, how might we do this in the midst of the mission field? And notice it's talking about doing it as a community, together with other Christians, out in the community that needs Jesus. So if we ask these questions here on the screen when we study God's word, I think it would help us move our our Bible study out into the neighborhood, so to speak. Have it make a difference, yes, in us, but have our Bible study also make a difference out there. Long term, that's a short term, something that you can put into play today uh, as we want to live out the the good news, as we want to be sent people. Uh, but long term, what does that look like at Faith Church? And, and we're in the beginnings of this, and you've begun to hear this, and many of you are already connected to a gospel community. And we want to see all of our church family, we're several hundred that come and go on Sunday mornings. And this is a large gathering on Sunday mornings where you don't know everyone intimately and they can't know you. But we're urging everybody within our church family to be part of a mission, part of a gospel community, a smaller group of people, not necessarily a small group, but a smaller group of people within our church family um, that are going to do what we said earlier and be a church, not a building, not an event, not a program, but be a family of growing Jesus followers who are on mission together. That's what we would want our gospel communities to become as we all figure this out together. We're not there yet, but at some point, as God uses the gospel communities in our church family, we would love to be a family of of followers of Jesus that are growing in Jesus and that are together asking God to use us on mission out in the community. And so um, a helpful resource for me in the last few years um, has been a book called Saturate by Jeff Vanderstelt. And there's probably a hundred of us in our church family that have already read in this book. Um, And and that it's making a difference in the way we think. And this is not the Bible, and Jeff Vanderstelt is not Jesus, okay? But I have found this to be a helpful tool that points us to biblical and theological truth 
And I have found it to be helpful and encouraging tool because it, it, it puts in one place a lot of things that, that have captured my heart of what God teaches in the Bible and what I have found to be true in ministry and serving in a church family. A lot of it is a lot of my passion and what God is teaching us in his word and what he has taught uh, us in, in history and ministry is, is condensed here. And that's why we want to take a look at it. And so in this book, uh, Jeff uses the term for these groups within a church. He calls them missional communities. We're, we're calling them gospel communities. Uh, and starting in February, our gospel communities will be discussing this resource together. And so a lot of you are already connected to a gospel community. That's great. Be in touch with your leader, and you'll be resuming soon, and, and this will be what we're going to do together. If you're not connected to a gospel community, we want to help you get connected to some other people in our church family where you can grow as a follower of Jesus and explore some of these ideas together. So uh, pay attention in the next two or three Sundays, and we'll make it really obvious to you how we can get you connected uh, to a gospel community. So look forward to that. One of the things I love about gospel community is that it dispels the holy place myth. I think a lot of us tend to strategize of how we're going to reach people for Jesus based on the building. We hope to get people to the building where Pastor Derek can tell them the good news of Jesus. But that's the holy place myth. This is not the only place where God is present. This is not the only place where God does ministry. And as, we, uh, as gospel communities take hold in our church family, we will see that God does ministry out in our homes and in our apartments and in our workplaces and in our community as we take uh, the good news of Jesus to people. And so it's not about this holy place. The church is not a building, but people, a family of followers of Jesus on mission with him. It's not a building. It's God's people. And so the church can move into the community. And I, I get nervous, like you, about what that looks like. Okay, God, I know I'm supposed to take the mission. I need to go out and share the good news, but I, I don't know. Well, take a look at this quick video, and I think it's super encouraging because it shows uh, how we can be sent people together. Take a look. Many Christians get together regularly in what they call small groups, where they pray together, study the Bible, encourage one another, and sometimes have a meal together. This is a good thing but then they often go off all by themselves to share the gospel with their friends, and many times they come back very discouraged because they aren't very effective. But Jesus never sent his disciples off by themselves. He sent them out in pairs. And the apostle Paul went on mission with a whole team. That's because Jesus told us it's by our love for one another that the world will know that we are his disciples. I encourage a group of people to be a community on mission or a missional community where they love one another and are sent together to a group of people. We want this group to see this community of people loving one another because it's by our love for one another that they'll be able to see that the gospel changes us. This could look a number of different ways. It could be a party that we throw and invite some of our friends to attend. It could also be a few of us going to a party that others throw. It could be us inviting some people we know to come serve others with us so that they can see our love in action. Either way, we want to get people who love Jesus to love one another in the midst of a group of people who don't know the love of Jesus. Jesus' intent is for us to be a community on mission, not a bunch of individuals on mission all alone. I can do 
going out by myself, I don't always feel super confident, but that sounds like something I can do. Faith Church, yes, we will continue to help one another grow as followers of Jesus. Yes, Faith Church, we will continue to study the Bible. But we will also ask God to help us live out our Christian faith and to live as sent people that share the good news of Jesus in our, in our actions and in our words out there in the community that needs it. Because life on mission is not just about being disciples. Life on mission is not just about being followers of Jesus, but about making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And, and we're sent together to do that. Jesus said, they will know you by your love for one another. So as we love one another, surrounded by people that don't know the love of God, they will see him. And we have the opportunity because you are a chosen race, Faith Church, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Father God, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We thank you for um, the commission that you gave us through Jesus. We thank you, God, that you are a God who came near to us, who sent his son to us to live and die so that we might live. So God, we thank you that you are ascending God and that you have sent Jesus. And so would you help us then this morning to consider those words of Jesus' prayer that as you sent him into the world, Jesus now sends us into the world. That we are, that we are in the world for a reason, that, that we are not being taken out of the world, but you want to work in and through us to the world who so desperately needs you. God, would you use us as you see fit individually and as a church family and as a church worldwide would the result of all of our words and actions be your glory. We exist to bring you glory. Help us to live for you in all we do. Help us now to worship, to, to adore you, to thank you for your great working in our lives. We worship you as we sing we worship you in our prayers. We, we worship you in our generous giving now as well. Thank you, God, for your great love. In Jesus' name, amen.